Welcome, Charlie Nuremberger, to episode 48 of the podcast here. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I've been tuning in uh, since your inaugural episode. It's, yeah, <laughs> I've really appreciated what you've done uh, with this. It's been awesome. Thank you. And, and it's going to be interesting to talk to you a little bit. I, I know you pretty well from the art room, Absolutely. but in the art room, you're, you're all, everyone's always serious, right? You're focused on your your painting and whatever it is you're working on. So we haven't really had too many extensive conversations That's right. before. So I want to, yeah. I want to really get to know you a little bit on this episode. I, I know your brother, Sam from coaching him in lacrosse. And I know Absolutely. Jack, cause we went to Peru together on a trip. So I know your family pretty well, but I'm excited to, to touch on everything that you've done here at Gilman senior year. Now, sure. um, everything's been a little bit different this year, but I want to, just get the scoop from you, so yeah. I'm excited for this. We've missed you in the art room this year, yeah. I know it's tougher to get in there with uh, Connolly's COVID precautions. But, <laughs> yeah. We've, What's we've, it been like this year in there? It's It's been tough. I think um, the thing I miss the most about fully in-person school has got to be the art studio. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I think we've really managed to carve out a, a community and a space in there. Um it's it's been guys we've been working with for the past four years. Um, even in the middle school, these are the same same crew of guys. So we've really built up this rapport. Um, yeah, but it's it's tough only getting in the studio once or twice a week um, at the beginning of the year, um, and not a ton of afternoon sessions either. So just that like limited time capacity has been been tricky but we've worked around it we've we've had a good time are you guys stationed in that senior corner now in the back yeah yeah I guess one of the silver linings is um there's not as many guys coming into school uh so I've gotten like that whole back wall like there's I've probably the equivalent of like three people's spaces that's great yeah it's been I can totally spread out I have these like big old painting. I'm working on a four foot by six foot painting right now it's it's been a wow trip for sure that's great where do you, uh, I had Tim on, I think that was maybe two weeks ago, and he was yeah. telling me about how he gets his in- inspiration for what he works on, and I found his process really unique because he, he was telling me he takes pictures of certain things that just yeah. kind of trigger uh, an idea for him, and he does a lot of abstract art, but I haven't seen too many of your pieces recently. How, how do you get your inspiration for what you do in the art room? Yeah, so all of my work at this point has been um, like abstract assemblage, looking at like artists like Anselm Kiefer, uh, Robert Rauschenberg, Carrie Moyer, um, and so it's really about like this almost sculptural element of the surface. So I've, I've one hanging up outside in the alcove to the Lumen Center and it's got these ropes hanging off of it and like just like contorted chunks of metal and glass. Um, so really it's about like this collection of objects and the accumulation of objects over time. They're mm. kind of like a, a symbol of this like uh, exploration and experience so uh, I kind of go about my day, um, go about my weekend, just picking up broken pieces of glass, like uh, objects from nature, maybe like a, a turtle shell or something. And then I just throw them all on the canvas. I got mm. like uh, razor blades and like, yeah, pieces of metal, uh, like feathers, just pieces of paper, all sorts of stuff, as much as I can accumulate on the surface as possible. Have you always been artistic and into art, or is this something that you picked up in high school, or how has the art experience transpired for you? 
Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, me and my brothers, we've always been just drawing, and I think we called it sketching when we were younger because coloring sounded like too emasculating to us. Um, but yeah, we've been, we've always been art, artistic. Our mom has always uh, helped to cultivate that with us. Um, but yeah, I think we, you really throw it into full gear in the art program at Gilman. Uh, once you get into the upper school, it Connolly really hammers you down with the fundamentals, the drawing and painting courses. And it, it really takes a while to get a full appreciation of that um, because it, it's, it sucks when you're going through it and you're just, it's like project after project of like still lives. Um, but no, once you get to the senior level, uh, you, you're really thanking them for that instruction. But yeah. Yes. So tell me a little bit about Connolly's teaching style and especially this year. And I know you talked about your senior speech in your yeah. senior speech about Connolly. And I definitely want to get to that because it's one of my favorite speeches Thank of all you. time. But, Thank you. um, what is his teaching style like? And and I know a little bit of it because he, you know, I, I stand in the back and work on my piece and he comes around and gives me some instruction. So I know about how he kind of walks around the room and keeps an eye on everyone. But sure. what has his instruction over these four years really been like for you and how has it made you into a better artist? Yeah, he's he's a character for sure. I think he, out of all the faculty that's still left not to be on the podcast, I think you've got to bring him in here if, if he'll let you. Um, he's, he's an Irish native. He, he has this kind of this accent. Um, and he's a, a force you have to get used to. You have to acclimate to, uh, as soon as you <laughs> step in the art room, it's like, uh, yeah, the, all the elements there. He, he's comes over. It's nothing like the middle school art room. Uh, I guess I'll compare him to Mr. Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, t- I touched on this in my senior speech, kind of will not hesitate to like, uh, criticize you and your artwork, um, just like really viscerally, like he'll he'll say like oh like that makes my eyes bleed like this painting like it's awful, um, and I think like in the arts you need to hear that you need to know that like there's there's good paintings and there's bad paintings and that doesn't make you a good painter or a bad painter. Um, it's hard. It's it's strenuous. It's exhausting. Um, but yeah, there's a kind of transcendence there that I think Connolly really embodies. As a young artist, maybe freshman, sophomore year, when you're kind of just getting used to him, how did you take that criticism at first? And then how did you maybe get used to it and start to apply some of his critiques? Well, well, you really take it personally. I think the first, first year, probably into sophomore year, you really take it personally. Um, and it can be a tricky environment to work in. It can be tough to... Um, kind of adapt to that and uh, kind of like the erratic nature of of that criticism Uh, you know you'll turn in one piece and he'll be like fine like it's fine and then the next one it's like he's like great this is good progress and there's like no difference between the two and so I think one of the 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 best benefits of this teaching style is that he really puts it on you and it's on you to determine what makes a good painting, what makes a bad painting, because it's it's harsh advice, but it's also pretty sparse um, mm-hmm. in its application. Yeah, I think I think it's really a valuable lesson. Just thinking about my experience, like playing lacrosse in college and like watching fi- watching film, and you always have to kind of critique yourself on the screen after a game or after even a practice, and 
even though coaches will rip you up and everyone takes that differently. So yeah. some people are like, all right, I understand what this coach is trying to tell me. I understand what I need to do to get better. Even though he's saying it in a certain, maybe harsh way, sure. you can still take value from, from the criticism. But other people, maybe it's their first time getting that criticism and they're, they take it really personally. They yeah. get mad about it. But the intention is really to teach. And it sounds like, from everything I've heard about Connolly, is this harsh criticism is really valuable. It's yeah. and you, you, I wouldn't trade for anything. And yeah. you talked a lot about that in your senior speech. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to learn how to be your own worst critic um, in, the, in the arts and in the academics. Yeah, I think that's been my biggest, most valuable uh, thing I've learned from Gilman. Yeah. Would you say you're pretty self-critical of your own your own work? I think so. Yeah, I, I'd like to think so. Um, yeah, I think I hold myself to a high standard for better, for worse. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you can really run into a rut with that. Um, but other times, yeah, it's been really beneficial in the arts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and your senior speech was one of my favorite ones. And, Thank you. And because it was on Zoom webinar, uh, I wish you got to deliver it in front of everyone. Yeah. That's really one of my favorite parts of Gilman is like everyone standing up and giving us senior applause. Yeah, but real sense of I think it still came through really strongly on the on the seminar. Thank you. Um, how would you maybe summarize? And, and I know that's hard because sure. it was it was a long <laughs> kind of like detailed and descriptive piece. But how would you maybe summarize your message or your takeaway from that that speech? Yeah. So in essence, I talked about um, this distinction between art making and image making, um, and that's a big thing in the Gilman Studio program. Uh, it's a big thing for um, the artist Marcel Duchamp. He writes a lot about it in his creative act essays. Um, but essentially, it's this idea that true, valuable, substantive, substantive art is really rare. It's and it's all process based. Um, so I kind of looked at it on three different planes: um, the artist and their their personal inquiry, um, the piece itself, and its realization its latent realization and then the community and um, its interaction with the piece and reaction to the piece Um, but really it's about the interplay between all three of those axes Um, and of course yeah I tied it to the uh, Gilman high school experience and you know be be an artist not an image maker yeah I love that last line be an artist not an image maker um um, so, so your experience at Gilman, you've gone to Gilman your whole life, years. right? Yeah, 12 yeah, years. First grade. Yeah. 12 year man. Wow. It's going to be tough to, tough That's, to leave and take the next step. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've, I've geared myself up for it, but yeah, I think it's going to be tougher on my mom, uh, mm-hmm. than, than me, but yeah, it's going to be tricky. First one out of the house, right? That's right. Yeah. Leaving the nest. I love it. Um, well, you're close enough, right? Princeton University, right? That's right. It's only yeah. an hour. Only Congratulations an hour. on, on that news. Thank it's you. It's really exciting. Yeah. What was the what was it like opening up the the acceptance letter for Princeton? Gosh, I think the whole college admissions like uh, process at Gilman is tough. Um, I think I definitely came across inadvertently this like paradox of Gilman admissions um, or Gilman Gilman exceptionalism where like all through Gilman were held at like this really high standard it's it's known as this like incredibly rigorous uh, school highly competitive um, and it's like Gilman guys can do anything they put their minds to um, but then you're kind of pairing that against 
like this college admissions uh, whole thing. And a lot of these top institutions are like untouchable. It's it's like nobody gets into those. So they, they kind of clash against each other, those two ideas. Um, I think it was opening it up. It was, I didn't think I was going to get in. It was a reach for me for sure. Um, I'm glad that I did, and I'm glad that I'm going there. It's it's kind of like an exhilaration. I actually read a couple poems from Crush, like, in the 10 minutes before I opened it up just to, like, calm my nerves. But, yeah, it was tough. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you, you were talking about maybe how Gilman prepares you for that next step because it really is, from my time here, just teaching and observing and watching other teachers teach and seeing how many different – uh, extracurriculars and athletics and, you know, Paragon, which we'll talk about everything sure. that, that students here have their hands in. It's really a lot. I mean, the high school process and thinking back to it for me, in some ways it's, it's almost harder than mm. college because in college you have a little bit more time or it's more regimented sure. in high school. It's like, you have to turn this assignment in on Thursday, yeah. you know, and you've got only a couple days and you've got a water polo meet and you've got something else the next day. And it's, it's a bit more of a time crunch. Yeah. Um, but I, I was actually talking to someone yesterday about how well Gilman sets mm. students up for the next step for college. I think, I think that I, I love all of the college counselors. Ms. Fonsby has been yeah, like invaluable to me throughout this whole process. I'd be, so lost without her guidance um, throughout all of this. I think, like, to resolve that paradox, the paradox of, like, Gilman exceptionalism, I think you have to separate yourself in some way from that, like, collective identity of Gilman. I think you have to stop being a Gilman man in some respects um, and start being, like, an individual and, like, an individual that's attractive to these institutions, um, not that your education at Gilman and the rigor of the courses here and the faculty members here um, aren't a fundamental part of your application. I think it's recognizing that and showing this is the individual I've become as a result of the tutelage at Gilman, as a result of the programs at Gilman. Yeah, and again, I think your senior speech communicated that really well because in my experience too um, in, in college, just people will expect that the type mm. of people that go to Princeton or go to Harvard have like dotted all the I's in terms of the SAT, in terms of a 4.0 GPA, in terms of like what you think you have to do to get in. And my experience, there are some students like that, yeah, right, who have yeah. just been exceptional academically and have their extracurriculars and have dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's. But a majority of the students that I've run into – they were just they, they did something that was totally unique yeah. to them. Like they spoke four different languages and did this sure. really cool service trip or they played the ukulele and they were the best at it, right? It was yeah. just something that was a little bit different. They put together a mosaic that was, you know, different than the, the common student or or the common perception of what an Ivy League student yeah, is. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's I think that's true. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with you absolutely. I think it's about like carving out your your niche there and really like excelling in that smaller space rather than just being the top of everything mm -hmm. yeah. that's probably you know how, how the art program has maybe rubbed off on you because I, I think that's that's part of it is art forces you to be a little bit more abstract or different sure. from from the crowd yeah i think um yeah the arts especially it's everyone's got their own thing going on 
Um, everyone's doing something else. People are doing landscapes and portraits and abstract. I think there was a guy last semester who's doing like architectural sketches. Like everyone's got their own thing going on. Um, and there's definitely a common language between all those. There are all these common threads and it's a real community. But yeah, everyone has their own thing that they're doing, their own region that they're exploring. And I think that's really beneficial. Yeah. Thinking back on your years here at Gilman, um, is there a certain class that, and, and I know art is, is a huge one, but I know that you're also really into English and yeah, literature yeah. and maybe some of those humanities classes. Is there a class that you took in middle school or high school or maybe even lower school, if you can remember back then, that really rubbed off sure. on you and made a huge impact on you as a student? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it would, it would be tough to pick between all my English classes. Um, I think I'm going to study English uh, at Princeton next year. Um, I think I would have to go, I'd say Mr. Burns' seventh grade class was awesome. Um, he really kind of throws you into this like space of English that's very attractive to a lot of Gilman guys, I think. Like it's all um, bloody and like very masculine, um, just kind of like rough and tumble. Um, and he was like the greatest teacher for that. Yeah, it was, everyone loved that class and loved the like Jack London and the Hemingway that you read there. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Um, I think uh, my English class last year was fantastic. I had it over at Bryn Mawr actually, so it was Miss um, Park, Diana Park, and she was, yeah, amazing. We read like um, Beloved by Toni Morrison, um, Great Gatsby, My Antonia, a lot of these like American classics. Um, and it was always through like a really careful, really precise lens that I, I appreciate a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in the high school, Mr. Malchus, I, I loved his class as well. Um, I think for a project, we were doing Tale of Two Cities, and he let me do um, like a cross section of someone getting guillotined. Like it was like, oh, here's like the carotid artery, and here's like the jugular and everything. And that was just like the awesomest thing to me as a <laughs> Like I, I love that, and I love that he enabled that that freedom um of choice there and yeah miss carper uh in sophomore year is fantastic as well as this um i think the texts there in sophomore year are awesome like is the the perfect a uh, couple couple texts there like things fall apart paired with heart of darkness is amazing um frankenstein uh, the odyssey it was like you couldn't pick any better books and she was really explored that with a, a speculative lens and it was an awesome class yeah that's the 10th grade curriculum is a great selection crazy um, stuff yeah it's like there's there's really no like unifying like kind of uh element to it. it's all just like great literature and literature everyone should read how about your junior year was it that you went over to Bryn Mawr that's right first yeah. time yeah. what was it like in the coordinate uh, class for the first time because I teach American Lit in yeah. 11th grade and that's something that I think about a lot is having Bryn Mawr and Roland Park and Gilman yeah. students all in the same room. It's, what was it like in that setting in, at Bryn Mawr and how did the teacher kind of uh, facilitate that? It's tough, yeah. Um, I think there's a learning curve for sure um, because at Gilman like you're, it's, it's just men in that space and you're so accustomed to kind of like dominating the space. Um, and so you have to learn like your position and your role within the group um, and within your class because a lot of the assessments are group based or class based. So you have your like Harkness discussions and everything. And you have to know like this is my role in the Harkness discussion. And if I overstep that and if I 
like dominate the the discussion inadvertently um the whole class is going to suffer for that um it's more of a like a team setting in the yeah. Har- harkness table because because we don't do that as much at gilman no, but over no. there i know they have it's do you just sit thing. down at a huge round table yeah. with yeah and you prepare the night before and you like to read your texts and um uh, yeah, you generate your questions and then it's, yeah, it's like a, a graded discussion. It's like, yeah, I hadn't experienced it prior to that class. I think at Bryn Mawr, there's also when you're like one of like two or three guys in the classroom, um, there was also like an element of like proving yourself and like feeling you have to prove yourself and that fades away eventually. Um, either because you do prove yourself or you realize that you don't need to in that space. Um, and I think just being in an unfamiliar environment and learning in an unfamiliar environment is really beneficial to, um, to all students. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would, I would agree for sure. Um, so I'm really excited that you're thinking about English next yeah. year, obviously. And, and I'm, I'm interested in Richard Sykin because I hadn't read too That's much. Right. Richard Sykin before you yeah. told me he was yeah. your book wreck, but how did you stumble across him? He, um, gosh, how did I stumble across him? I think it was probably the recommendation of Dr. Smith. He's, uh, I look to him a lot for like what, what book and what poetry collection I should read. Um, Sykin is like a, a whole new beast. Um, I think if he was the uh, foundational introduction for a lot of people to poetry, I think a lot more guys would be interested and invested in it, um, especially Gilman guys. Uh, Louise Glick, who, who won the um, Nobel for Literature last year, uh, she she wrote about this collection. She was like, it's all high beams all the time. Like it mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. Uh, frantic and fast paced and bloody, uh, kind of grotesque. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy collection. I think just from reading a few poems of his, it, it, they're yeah. not something that you just kind of scan through. It's no, something that no. you have to you have to take with you yeah. over weeks at a time and really process and think about. Sure, yeah. And I think they, they work just as well, just like reading them like out loud. I think there's there's a real vocal element to them as well. Yeah, it's another thing is, is I looked up some readings on YouTube mm. and some of the voice, it, it has to be really the perfect voice, yeah. I think, Absolutely. but I, I have to have poetry read to me. Mm. Like I'd rather not just sit down and, and read it quietly. I, yeah. I kind of like, you have to hear poetry. Yeah, it's, a, it's a vocal thing, but there are some really good voice selections on YouTube for Psykin. Yeah, I think it has to be kind of like a, a vulnerable voice. It has to be something fragile. Uh, this whole collection, the, like the meta narrative through the, the collection is like a, a queer breakup. It's this, he's breaking up with his boyfriend um, and it's just like brutal and drawn out. And uh, it's, it's from the moment. The first poem, Scheherazade in here, um, is kind of like him coming to the realization that this like self-renewing love is faltered. And then all the way through the end, it's just kind of like coming to terms with breaking up with someone. Um, so he's got Crush and then the most recent one, yeah, this War one, of the Foxes. This one's called War of the Foxes. It's, it's less critically acclaimed. Um, it's still like, I think, a, a seminal piece of contemporary poetry. Uh, it's really interesting to me as uh, uh, an artist reading this because there's a lot of crossover with painting in here. He's got a poem on like Caravaggio in here. And, oh, really? Uh, there's there's a lot about like painting still lives. Yeah, like this poem, it's like still life with skulls and bacon. Like he, he really explores um, painting and like kind of these intersections with the arts. Hmm. Yeah. 
Interesting. Sounds sounds perfect. It's for, it's really for an artist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you can tell like he he knows what he's talking about. I think there's there's a danger there with like crossing over some arts um, and looking at like the common threads that like you're, you're going to know one better than the other. Um, I think it's pretty clear he knows what he's talking about with that, which I really enjoyed. What is the uh, the title War of the Foxes? Since I haven't read yeah. this one, do, do you know about like what that title is indicating? Yeah, so it's one of the poems in here is called War of the Foxes. Um, and it's really just this kind of like surreal um, exploration of a relationship again. Um, and he talks about like it's it's like personified through these animals. Uh, so it starts with like these rabbits and like they're in their war and and like the war of the foxes is this like endless back and forth uh, kind of like stalemate hmm. um, that he explores there. Yeah, it's a, it's a long poem. It's kind of hard to condense, but it's it's yeah. a good one. I think it's it's one of the better ones in the collection. Cool. I'm excited to read more of him and I. Yeah followed the Richard Sykin uh bot on Twitter. Oh, so I'll awesome. get like I'll get some I'll get some poets uh poetry snippets Perfect. on my feed, which is yeah, good. Absolutely. Um so Paragon is something else you're involved with here at Gilman. Yeah. And to be honest, I, I I'm in the English department, but I don't know too much about Paragon because it's sure. really almost a, a secretive process throughout the year. And then finally, at the end of the year, you release everything that That's you've right. been working on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you just tell me a little bit about Paragon and what you've been working on this sure. year? Sure. Yeah. So we're in the heat of it right now. Yeah. We're finishing up all of our um, final copy edits, our uh, design layouts and everything. Um, so we're really like uh, in, in the final stages of the process. Uh, Paragon's our arts and literary magazine at Gilman. Um, so we collect and publish um, literature from students, all student-generated um, literature. So uh, fiction, creative nonfiction, memoir, poetry, um, across the board, uh, we'll take it. Um, and then also like the visual arts, uh, your painting, um, your drawing, your photography. Um, yeah, we take all of it and we publish it uh, in a, a collection at the end of the year. Um, it's going to be a long one this year. We were talking about before uh, we got started. Yeah, it's going to be like 70 pages, which is long for a collection. Um, Paragon used to really be going with uh, two uh, semester editions. So there's going to there's a winter one and a spring one. Um, it was defunct for a couple of years, and then me and a, a couple guys brought it back last year and kind of revived the tradition. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we, we only got out a, a digital edition last year just because of COVID and lockdown and everything. But we're on schedule to publish a, a print edition at the end of this year. What was it like for you reviving this? Um, it was it was daunting. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, a lot of work to be done. Um, but we had like a good, small, centralized, like uh, Gilman staff, student staff, and yeah, I couldn't thank Dr. Smith and Mr. Rao enough last year for um, sticking with the process. Um, they're clearly just as passionate about the publication as we were, um, which helped out a lot. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad we, uh, we got it done last year and really set the, the record straight. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to checking out the, the final version of it this year. It's going to be good. Yeah, I think we have some really strong student pieces this year. It's interesting that you, you were able to get so many pieces 
submitted yeah. during this year when everything's kind of broken up exactly. and you're not able to meet really as a group and recruit guys at yeah. lunch and whatnot. So it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I was I was surprised. We got a lot more submissions than we did last year, which I guess was natural. I think the, the inclination is to submit more um, once you see like the final product. And it was tough going last year and starting up without like uh, a kind of notion of like this is what it's going to look like like this is where your piece is going to be published um but yeah i think we've we've really been rolling uh since last year awesome well good good work there um yeah so maybe maybe one other part of your experience here at gilman is your water polo sure. career and and i'm curious about how that experience has been for you at gilman really how you got into water polo yeah. and um you know, maybe some memories that stick out to you. Absolutely. Uh, storming the pool. Sure. Yeah, that is, it's an experience. Uh, we actually had our, our, what would have been our storm the pool game last week, last Thursday. Uh, it was our McDonough home game. Um, yeah, I wish we could have stormed the pool then because we, yeah, we, we kind of walked all over them. It was like 19 to 6 final score. Um, which was awesome. We have a really good team this year. You can't really storm the pool and yeah. blow out. No, yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, we, had, we had our manager, Mason Roth, uh, suit up with uh, his, his swim trunks and his Hawaiian shirt, and he, he jumped in for us. So it, was, it was a one-man storm the pool, I guess. But, um, yeah, we have a match today against Calvert Hall. Um, awesome. Looking, looking to be a good one. And then on Friday we have our MSJ. They're, they're probably going to be our toughest competition this year. Um, that's a home game. I think it's going to be recorded and broadcasted, but, um, GTV. Yeah. Unfortunately, no student sections in the pool this year. How did you, um, how'd you get into water polo? When was your first time kind of getting yeah. involved with that sport? I, I kind of wish I got involved with water polo because it seems really fun it's watching re- it. It's really fun. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a unique program at Gilman, um, because, with the pool, you're kind of like getting to know and getting to the space and getting to the coach, Von Smith, um, since like sec- first or second grade. Like it's it's immediate there. So I've been in the pool. I think I was talking with coach, um, I think over quarantine, like the seven months of quarantine and over the summer was the longest time I've been out of the Gilman pool in 12 years, like mm. over a decade, yeah. which is crazy to think about. Um, so yeah, you really get to know at a young age, um, the program and the coach Von Smith is like an incredible guy. He is, I think he's another choice. I think you should try to get him on this podcast. He is like absurd. Like he, he grew up in Zimbabwe. Um, and he just has like story after story of like, oh yeah, like this time we, like played polo in an outdoor pool while it was like this lightning storm and like thunder coming on all around. <laughs> or like he's like, yeah, like, did you know I, I played rugby in the world championship in Northern Ireland? And we're like, that's crazy. Like he, he was an Olympian. Like he play, like he swam in, in the Seoul Olympics. Like he's, yeah, he is insane. And he's like the sweetest guy. He's, it's, he demands quality, um, and I think that's why he's built up the program so much and been able to build that up. But, yeah, I couldn't compliment the guy enough. He's, he's been a really pivotal part of my Gilman experience. Best uh, water polo player that you've played with or against, and what does sure. it really what does it take to be yeah. really talented or successful in the sport of water polo? I think it was, gosh, uh, looking back, um, Nick Polydefkis was awesome. He was 
Um, he's playing at GW now. Um, he's crazy. Uh, Brooks Lebo last year was awesome. Um, looking back, like Seth Hardy is formidable. Um, this year we've got some good guys. Uh, Antonio Mendes Trendler and Ian Raley. They both play down at Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, water polo is uh, being good at water polo is. It's it's unique. Uh, it's like the only sport where you got three dimensions of movement. Um, you can go like it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot to keep track of at first. So I think uh, a big part of it is like that body positioning, and I think that's probably the biggest thing I've drawn, like the biggest character education I've drawn from water polo, is just being like aware of my body in this space mm-hmm. and. Um, like the implications of that, like knowing yourself and your your physical form really well is important. And of course, like throwing a couple elbows under the water, you have to you have to know what you can get away with and what you can't. Right. Yeah. yeah it's almost like it's almost like soccer in some ways that sure. people say soccer. It's not much of a contact sport, but then you yeah. when you watch like real <laughs> soccer players play, they're doing all kinds of things oh, yeah. that's yeah. not really noticeable. Like under the water, I'm sure it's very physical, and you're yeah. dragging guys down, and yeah, whatever you can get away with. And all the coaches are like, "I'm, I'm not going to tell you to kick the guy, but like you know what you have to do." Yeah, just and have to be subtle. Yeah, yeah, uh, you, you'll like uh, emerge like out of the water from like our, our McDonough game was tough. It was a lot of like scratches and like bruises afterwards. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's a pretty brutal game. Yeah, it can be at least. So, Charlie, about to graduate in a month, which is crazy. It flies by, right? It does. Um, it does. Yeah, for better or for worse. What are what are some of the really memories about Gilman School as a place that you're yeah. going to take with you and and really miss maybe next year and yeah. into the future? Yeah, it's it's got to be the people. I think that's the 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 lowest common denominator that everyone brings up. It's got to be like the the communities that y- you make and the languages you you develop with people. So yeah, looking at like the art studio and the the back room, even our like our little time we've gotten in there this year, um, that's been been awesome. And like the polo locker room, um, and just like all the all the guy talk and conversations you have in there. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, it's just going to be the people. It's going to be um, the guys I've gotten to know over these 12 years. It's going to be the, the, of course, there's going to be the storm, the pools and the like final publications of Paragon and mm-hmm. the art shows and everything. Um, but I think it's, it's going to be the characters. Yeah. And sometimes as they're physicalized by spaces, like the, the locker room or the studio, but often it's just like these kind of ephemeral, um, memories of, of the people and of the conversations you have here. Awesome. Relationships that Absolutely. you'll take with you, but yeah. you know, you'll know you definitely miss the moments as a student for at, sure. at Gilman. So, um, Charlie, thanks so much for coming on today. Absolutely. It's been a great conversation. Thank I think you we, so much. We touched on me. everything, right, yeah, that, that yeah. we wanted to get to. So for sure. Appreciate the time and uh, best of luck in the next couple of awesome. weeks. It's Thank be you. Fun end of the end of the ride here. I hope so. It's, May is going to be a wild month. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to be a, a ride for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks awesome. a lot. Yeah, thank you so much. Mm-hmm.